Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, eight major farm groups in Canada have called on governments to end the border blockades and restore the flow of goods and animals across the U.S. border. The groups include the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Canadian Pork Council, and the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. CFA's second vice president, Todd Lewis, will tell us how these prolonged disruptions are affecting shipments of food and livestock and inputs for farmers and food processing. The Saskatchewan Pork Development Board says the cross-border vaccine mandate is making accessing feed imports from the United States very difficult at a time when supplies in Western Canada are tight due to last year's drought. Toby Cheddar is the new chair of the Pork Board. He'll talk about feed costs and availability and a host of other issues that the board is facing right now. After the break, Todd Lewis. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture and seven other groups are calling on the governments to bring an end to the shipping disruptions at the Canada-U.S. border. CFA Vice President Todd Lewis farms near Gray, Saskatchewan. So, Todd, we're seeing the effects of these uh, prolonged disruptions and, and how they're affecting shipments of food and livestock and inputs for farmers and food processing. You know, I think we're at a point now with the blockades that uh, we're seeing that it really start to affect, you know, especially the livestock industry here in Western Canada. The crossing at Coots, Alberta and uh, Emerson, Manitoba are major uh, points for back and forth trade between uh, Canada and the United States. And so much of that of that trade in Alberta and Manitoba is agriculture-based and uh, especially uh, in livestock, both uh, live cattle and uh, and hogs go through both those points. And so it's very difficult when you uh, start to add uh, hours of transportation, you know, to go around those those points or to be stuck in a lineup for hours is very hard on the animals. And uh, so I, I think we're also going to see it start to affect some of our inputs as well, be it parts for farm machinery or, uh, or, or inputs like chemicals and fertilizers. So it's, uh, you know, we have a, a supply chain that has had a lot of problems uh, recently, and these blockades are going to start to affect uh, the bottom line for a lot of producers, so both on the, you know, in the livestock and grain and, and uh, really for the economies of uh, Western Canada, so, so as, as well as the entire country. And, you know, so the Canadian Federation of Agriculture and the other, other farm groups that signed on to this, you know, felt it's important to ensure that trade continues. Uh, you know, the U.S. is a major trade partner of ours, and uh, everybody's welcome to uh, protest and uh, let their point, you know, let their uh, own personal uh, opinions do matter. But at the same time, uh, when it starts to affect trade and uh Meet people economically. It uh, you know that it's important to follow the, the letter of the law and the rule of law, and it's important to ensure that uh, these ports remain open. The U.S. corn uh, crop uh, is uh, supplementing uh, some of the feed issues in here, in Western Canada, and a lot of that is coming by by truck. So that's just another example of something that uh, you know a supply chain that's really been affected by drought, and uh, there isn't much feed available here in Western Canada, and it's being supplemented by uh, U.S. corn and. And so we need to see those uh, trucks be allowed into into Canada to feed Canadian cattle. So I think, you know, it's just another example example of, uh, you know, it's important that everybody has uh, the right to protest. You know, again, I think the point's been made, but at the same time, it's important that, uh, you know, it's done in a, in a way that doesn't affect the rest of the economy and everybody else. And, and uh, I think it's, uh, you know, getting to the point now where, where we're seeing some real economic hardship being passed along to uh, 
producers, and uh, that's why the Canadian Federation of Agriculture signed on to this, onto this, uh, this release. And I, and I know we're hearing, uh, you know, of uh, livestock going uh, around to other points and so on. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it gets to be an animal welfare issue as well, right, for longer transportation times for those animals. So it, uh, it's, it's just important that we uh, have uh, normal traffic uh, going across the border. And, uh, you know, for a province like Saskatchewan, especially uh, so much of our crop is, and livestock is exported uh, across provincial lines and international borders and, uh, and uh, the U.S., U.S.-Canada border is uh, one of our most important uh, trading points, so it's important that those ports re- remain viable, and uh, certainly Emerson and, and Coots are two of the major ones here. So, Todd, there was a weekend protest at Ridgeway, which is south of Regina, and my understanding is that event didn't cause any export or import disruptions and really showed an example of a peaceful protest? Well, I think that's a good template. Uh, what happened at Ridgeway on the weekend was a good template to uh, how protests uh, can be can be, be uh, carried out, and, uh, you know, those protesters made their point, uh, but at the same time, uh, traffic was able to... Uh, continue along its, uh, you know, normal pace of business or close to it. So I think that's an example of uh, what we're looking for uh, at these other crossings as well as what happened at Ridgeway on the weekend. And so speaking with uh, people down there, it, it certainly is a, is a, a hindrance to uh, those people who live in downtown Ottawa without question. But at the same time, uh, the protesters uh, have uh, made a point and uh, have gotten lots of publicity, and not all but good. And, and uh, so I think it's important that, you know, we are a country of, of uh, with the rule of law. And, and so it'll be interesting as this thing plays itself out. You know, hopefully we're we're seeing, uh, sounds like uh, a little bit of movement uh, between the protesters and the city of Ottawa today. So, uh, you know, we're sure hoping that things can uh, get settled out there peacefully and so on. And that, you know, as I said, protest is an important part of, of uh, our way of life. But at the same time, uh, you know, it, it, the right to protest doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you have the right to do whatever you want. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think some of the protesters, when it comes to honking horns and so, so on, all, all hours of the night, I think uh, some of the people in Ottawa have a have a pretty valid point as well. So it's uh, it's a very touchy subject, and uh, I think there's uh, lots of back and forth on both sides, and uh, hopefully we'll see a peaceful resolution of the whole situation. All right, moving to the situation in Ontario, the Ambassador Bridge. $200 million per day in trade is affected. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, these are pinch points that, uh, you know, are... are just show how uh, you know how how much trade goes between Canada and the United States, and uh, Ambassador Bridge is an example of uh, a spot that sees uh, so much economic activity, and and uh, really I think we take a lot of that traffic for, for granted, and uh, and realize how important it is when it is stopped. So I think uh, you know it's good to see that bridge reopened. Uh, there's a lot of agricultural products go back and forth over that that crossing as well, and and uh, so. You know, we're hoping to see the resumption of, uh, of that kind of trade here in Western Canada at uh, Coots and Emerson. Well, we certainly know and understand how important trade is, especially to the province of Saskatchewan. And some very impressive export numbers were released. Saskatchewan's agricultural exports set another new record. Agri-food exports represent nearly half of Saskatchewan exports. Uh, that's quite an impressive number. Well, it, uh, you know, it speaks to the, the, the health of the agriculture industry here in the province. And, you know, really, even in a drought year, uh, it shows 
how important of an of a economic driver uh, agriculture is in the province, and and uh, you know with record numbers, uh, record commodity prices, and and uh, you know so it was a difficult year in a lot of farms in the province, but at the same time, uh, what was produced was worth more money, and uh, so we're seeing that in these numbers. So I think as we as we roll forward into this next year, it'll be interesting if we're able to uh, keep at that level or or even increase it again, and uh, you know hopefully we'll have a a better crop this year and uh, and uh, see uh, you know some of the investments that we're seeing uh, on the domestic side with the crushed plants and and uh, some of the the uh, straw plant for instance in Regina as well I think these are all important and uh, it's only going to uh, increase our value in agriculture and I think we're going to see more and more going forward that these uh, these records will uh, continue to fall every year and we're, and uh, really it does show uh, you know how healthy the agriculture industry is here Todd Lewis is the second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. After the break, Toby Cheddar, the new president of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Toby Cheddar is the new chair of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board. And Toby, we're going to be talking about vaccine mandates. But first of all, maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself and, and your particular operation. So it's going to be close to 30 years that I've been involved in, the, in hog production. I've worked in all areas of production uh, from a barn worker right to manager position. And I'm currently the unit manager for our hog production. So uh, let's take a regular day. And how does that look for you and, and what keeps you busy? This could include just general day-to-day chore, chore duties, uh, feed milling, time spent in administration and regular paperwork, stuff like that. Checking and replying to emails, uh, maintaining schedule and keeping on top of employee duties. And since I've been a director, this could include going from doing chores directly to to Zoom meetings. How long have you been involved with the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board, and what prompted you to uh, take this next step and, you know, increase your duties, I guess? So I've been on this board going into my fifth year on the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board, and as for the decision to take uh, on the chair, it's similar to my decision for joining the board. There's stuff happening outside in the hog industry, outside of the barn door. And if you don't go out and see that, you're kind of liable to get stuck in a groove in the hog industry. I like to be involved in discussions and policy, and this decision just takes my position as a director to the next level. As you assume these new responsibilities, uh, Toby, tell us of, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you would uh, see as priorities for the industry and issues that uh, that will be important for you and for the board? So SAS Park's mission is uh, to work on behalf of the pork producers to make sure that, that we have a positive business environment and maintains our global competitiveness in the industry and high standards of own farm production while we're trying to stimulate long-term growth and investment in the Saskatchewan pork industry. So the board of directors have set out four strategic priorities for areas for the industry. This includes industry development, uh, producer services, public relations, and research. And I expect we'll continue to have progress in all of these priorities in the next coming year. Certainly lots on your plate, uh, a lot of issues uh, to deal with. But let's talk about challenges with transportation and what are some of your concerns there? 
the transportation issue and the feed costs are a big concern that have, those are challenges right now in the hog industry. There seems to be a, a general shortage of truckers in Canada, and this isn't just restricted to the hog industry. <clears throat> With uh, our more reliance on more in feed imports and increased need of feed imported feed ingredients, we're relying more and more on long-distance transportation this year. The biggest impact we've seen so far in the Saskatchewan uh, is the supply of some of the feed ingredients we take we import, particularly soy meal. That's that's in very short supply. Like loads are being delayed like weeks at a time, and guys are just scrambling to keep enough feed in their bins. There's also very little canola meal to substitute with a with a poor crop year last year, and that's not helping any. But so far we haven't seen any any live shipment disruptions. But the farms that do ship that out, those hogs out, those isoenes, they are worried about it. What needs to happen to address some of these concerns? Well, I don't think this uh, is an easy solution to this issue. With the amount of tons of feed that need to be imported from the U.S. right now into Western Canada because of the drought being a put strain on the system, and the cross-border vaccination mandate that came into effect is not helping this situation any and it's basically reducing the number of Canadian U.S. drivers that can cross the border. So with both Canada and U.S. removing these rules that will help and then in the long term a good crop year in 2022 will reduce our dependence on imports and help with the issue but that's still a long ways off. In the meantime, what do pork producers need to keep in mind uh, for as far as feed and their situation? Well, feed costs are going to remain high in the next little while. It's a good idea to just book as far ahead as advance all the ingredients that you can and make sure you have enough delivered till we get closer to the new crop year, which starts coming uh, off in August. And also, South Pork uh, ran a, f- a feed town hall meeting last fall with the research from the Prairie Swine Center and the University of Saskatchewan, and they presented a lot of good information uh, in reducing feed costs. It's, it, producers can look at that on the SAS pork website if they want to check it out. So what is your message to pork producers and to pork consumers? Well, to those who are involved in the pork production, I'd say just get out and get involved in what's going on outside the barn door. There's lots, lots going on beyond the farm gate. And to the consumers, uh, you're eating a wholesome, delicious, and nutritious product, uh, some of the highest quality in the world, and it's being produced by some of the world's safest food standards. The only thing I could add is, if you want to make something better, just to wrap it in bacon. Thanks, Toby. We'll do that. Toby Cheddar is the new chair of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board. It's time for the Agriculture News and Review for the week of February 7th, 2022. Farmers, ranchers and horticulture producers in British Columbia will be able to access up to a combined $228 million in federal and provincial funding. That money was earmarked to cover flooding losses from last November, not included under existing government programs and private insurance. 65 dairy farms were directly hit by flooding, 25,000 acres of fruit crops were damaged, along with 1,700 tons of 
of unharvested vegetables like cabbages, carrots, and cauliflower. Farmers can start applying for the 2022 cash advance. The Canadian Canola Growers Association released its EPP application. The early application phase is open until March 31st. Dave Gallant with CCGA said farmers told them they wanted to apply as early as possible and they want to do it as quickly as possible. Producers can apply for up to $100,000 interest-free and up to an additional $900,000 at an interest rate of prime less 0.75%. Farmers can apply for more than 50 commodities, including field crops, large and small livestock, honey and organic commodities as well. First-time applicants are being encouraged to apply through the contact centre, where specialists can walk them through the process in about 15 to 20 minutes. A group of investment firms and plant protein industry representatives are looking to raise $200 million in equity capital to create a fund that will help finance plant-based food and ingredient processors. Protein Industries Canada CEO Bill Gruel said the goal is to build a pool of capital specifically for the domestic ingredient processing sector. Pick and his partners will contribute $2.4 million to support the equity fund, with $1.8 million coming directly from the Protein Supercluster program. Eligible producers will receive 100% compensation from unpaid deliveries to Pipeline Foods. Following a review, the Canadian Grain Commission determined there were 49 eligible claims. $2.2 million from the company's security will pay these producers. Pipeline Foods LLC from the United States and its subsidiaries, including Pipeline Foods ULC in Canada, filed for bankruptcy protection this past July and ceased operations. Pipeline Foods ULC had one grain dealer license and two primary elevator licenses located at Gull Lake and Wapella. Current feeder cattle prices aren't the best right now, but one market analyst is anticipating improvements this year. Ann Wasco with Cattle Trends and Gateway Livestock said that's based on continued very strong consumer demand for beef and lower U.S. cattle numbers. Wasco estimates beef cow numbers were down 3% in 2021, and the cow call rate was about 13%, a number some may have thought would have been higher in light of last year's extensive Western Canadian drought. The Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Crops has published the promised white paper exploring a code of practice for the Canadian grain industry. The group compiled five key findings based on the feedback from the consultation that ended in March. The CRSC will host two information sessions in late February to discuss the recommendations. Grain transportation is becoming a sore point again. The Ag Transport Coalition reports that CN only supplied 30% of hopper cars for Grain Week 25, which ended on January 25th. That was actually a small improvement over Week 24, which was just 24%. CP Rail also had its issues at 59%, and that's with the Port of Thunder Bay shipping season complete. Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting said poor rail service is impacting all sectors of the economy, not only grain. The discovery of African swine fever in Italy is an example of how the movement of people can spread the infection. Swine Health Centre Executive Director Dr. Paul Sundberg said any place there's movement of pigs or products that continues to put pressure on the borders. 
He said close attention needs to be paid to meat products, especially as a transmission vehicle. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarland, and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.